0: And lose. keep coming back when they call, and in the end you'll lose all that matters to you, five easy steps to make an addictive.
1: Um, I want to introduce to you uh, uh, Rachel Hennessy, and again, I want to say hello to the Brentwood campus as we begin our third message here in Five Easy Steps to Wreck Your Life as we talk about addictions. And this is the reason why we have Rachel Hennessy with us. Rachel Hennessy uh, studied at Trinity Western and she got her Master's of Counseling. Uh, and she has been working professionally at Touchstone Counseling Center here in the Greater Moncton area. And Rachel has, is, a, is a member here at our church. Uh, just a little plug for your husband, Dean. He's uh, one of our board members. So uh, we're just so glad to have both of you in our church family. But I want to talk to you as a counselor, Rachel. And we're just going to take a couple minutes as we get our heads into this whole addiction uh, message. So first of all, um, what, is, what do we mean by the word addiction? And what is the range of addictions that people struggle with?
0: Well, addiction in general means a powerlessness over a use of a substance or a compulsive behavior pattern. Okay. Um, you know, I think we tend to think of substance abuse when we think of addictions like use of drugs or alcohol. Uh, sometimes our minds can wander to the image of a street addict, somebody who has lost everything because of their addiction. But actually, um, addicts often can fall under the radar, and we can brush shoulders every day with people who are addicts, and we can be unaware of it, because they can still function in their daily life. But often we do see um, that their decisions and their choices are greatly impacted. Um, their decisions and choices around time, money, you know, relationships are, are impacted because of their need for their addiction. And again, we see um, all kinds of ranges of, of um, of addictions. We've talked about some of them in the survey, you know, eating, um, running. People didn't like that in the survey, but 10% of professional runners are addicted to exercise. Really? Mm, okay. <laughs> um, shopping, gambling, gambling? Okay. Um, sexual activity, pornography, media. Uh, we see all kinds of, of it, different Could forms. Facebook be an addiction? Yes, could okay. be.
1: Okay, all right. Um, as we think about talking about this, I find for me that I guess, I I don't know if I'm empathic, actually, very few people say I am, but uh, as I'm trying to sense people when we talk around this issue, Mm -hmm. there's a real sense of, ooh, you know, next to the word sin or sinner, Mm -hmm. the last thing I want to do is say, hey, I'm Dave Morehouse and I have an addiction. Mm -hmm. Um, Why is it so hard for people to admit that they have an addiction?
0: Well, I think it's hard for any of us to admit our mistakes. And so it's even harder when we have to admit that we're powerless uh, and that something else has has mastered us, is mastering us. And so, you know, but again, in general, it's hard for us to admit our failures, our mistakes. It's easier to deny them. And so denial is very powerful with addictions. And so it's hard to admit and easy to deny. You know, the other piece is that some addicts simply don't want to change. They don't want to give up their use of the substance substance or their behavior that provides them that high.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, And then, of course, the other piece is that, you know, there's such a deep level of spiritual bondage with addictions, and there's such an intense feeling of shame that they experience. And so it really keeps them stuck and keeps them feeling like they need to keep it a secret.
1: Hmm. Shame sounds like such a, I mean, that, that really resonates with me because like, I feel like if anybody found out, I, just, I would be so worthless, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, l- that leads me to my third question then. Um, so what can a person do to break free from this bondage of addiction? Um, and, and I guess there's a flip side of that because if we know of someone who we love or that we're, we're a friend with or we're even an associate with, and, and we know that they're struggling with an addiction, how can we help them break free?
0: Well first, the person who's addicted, they need to admit, admit that they do have a problem. And um, they need to you know, break, begin to break through that power of their own denial. And they also need to admit to somebody else to begin to break through the power of the secret. Okay. And they need to get support. They need to get support from people who know how to help them. And you know, the, you can't do recovery alone. But you can do recovery, but get that support and begin to take ownership of your recovery. You know, there's a lot of choices that you be- can begin to make even early on that can that can get you on that path and keep you on that path. But you need to take ownership. You know, even to, even today or tonight, um, you know, people can do that. People can begin to make choices.
1: So now, so that's for the person who is saying, "How do I start to break free of an addiction?" Um, but um what about people who know they have someone in their life in their family who is struggling with an addiction well what what do you do with that
0: well even in that situation a person needs to admit it because um you know sometimes they too can have denial in their own heart and mind operating because you know it's, it's a hard piece it's a hard thing to understand a hard thing to admit um this is really important. You need to recognize that no matter what you do or say, you cannot change the addict. They have to want to change themselves. So until you recognize that, you can be in bondage yourself to the addiction. Okay. So admit it, recognize that you can't change them, and then also get help and get support. You know, you might need to create new boundaries, uh, You know, create coping skills to deal with the person and the addiction. But you're not alone, and there is hope and help for you too. But you do, you have to talk about it.
1: And, and and I know we're just going to go a little off script here because we've been rehearsing all these questions. Surprise, surprise. But um, the, the the one thing I do find, right, is that I, I guess that's where the word codependent comes in, right? In a sense of um, um, if I, you know, just go along with your addiction and, you know, you, you, you don't have a drinking problem. You, you just, you know, you're just a little you know, whatever, and I come up with another reason. I'm actually helping the denial. I'm helping us both stay Absolutely. in bondage. Absolutely. And so, so, really in a sense, it's even the friends around start to declare it truthfully and kindly, and, and you say, get help as well for yourself. Because sometimes we say, well, I can't do anything until that person gets help, but you can get help yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you need to.
1: Okay, well, he, okay, here's the last word then to people struggling with addictions. Um, what would, if people were watching this um, through the, at the Brentwood campus or are watching it here in this service or are watching it on on our video, YouTube video, um, what's one thing you would say to them as a Christian counselor? Um, what would be one final thing you say to a person struggling with an addiction?
0: Well, some people are even just kind of beginning to feel like they're in inner term- turmoil right now and you haven't even preached, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but they... <laughs> I'm not making fun of his pre-tang, I'm just saying. Okay,
1: Rachel, we're going off script again. Let's stay focused.
0: (laughs) People are laughing. Yeah, yeah, I know. So, um, but... You know, there's a sense like, oh, am I an addict? Maybe they're not even sure. But like, begin to talk about it. You know, maybe you know, if you have some questions or people have expressed concern to you about it, like a colleague or a friend or a wife or a husband, like just begin to talk about it. It's okay. And and uh, maybe some people are like, oh man, this is me. I know it. But okay, well then, just take that step to admit it. Mm-hmm. Don't waste any more time. Admitting it will be the hardest part of your, reco- of your recovery. Okay. But admit it and submit tonight. If you can submit to the you know, Lord Jesus Christ
1: right. tonight
0: and give Him back the power and surrender to the work of the cross, uh, look, I'll tell you, you just exponentially kickstart your recovery process.
1: Okay, all right. Yeah. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for helping us start to walk into a very deep water around the whole issue of addiction. Could everybody please give her a hand? Thanks, Rachel. Well, that's great. Um, You know, as I was thinking about this message, uh, again, I want to say thank you to um, uh, lifechurch.tv for providing us the resources as we walk through this series so, once again, the Journey Church, thank you, Life Church. Um, but as I was thinking about this, this, this topic and this um, focus that we want to go on tonight about five easy steps about how to become um, addicted, um, it, it, it made me think that I don't think anyone really wakes up one day and says, you know, I'm going to become an addict. I, I just don't think people do that. Um, I don't think anyone says, hey, you know, maybe I'm going to get lucky today. I'm, I'm going to start drinking alcohol, and then, um, you know, one day I'm going to become so addicted to this substance that uh, it will cost me my job, my friendships, my marriage, my reputation it will cost me everything. Oh, you know, if, if it could that only happen, you know? I don't think anybody wakes up just one day and says, you know, if, if I'm lucky, I think as I, you know, smoke on this cigarette, I'm going to work my way up to a pack and a half a day or two packs a day and so that by the time I'm 58, I'll get to go to the doctor and he'll say, Hey, Dave, you got lung cancer and, and you're not going to get to see your grandchildren because you're going to be dead by the time you're 60. Um, I don't think anybody says that. I, I don't think anybody says, Hey, you know, I, I think I'll just make this little bet and it'll be fun. And, and then all of a sudden they win on that little bet. So they go, whoa, that's great. I, I can bet and I'll get more. And then in the pursuit of more and the adrenaline high that comes from that gambling addiction, they end up losing everything. I don't think anyone wakes up and says, oh gosh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to become an addict today. I'm going to start my journey towards addiction today. Golly gee whiz, isn't that great? Um, and yet what's really sad is that we all know people who end up there anyway, with debilitating addictions. And some are very obvious. And of course we can think of the extreme examples of of people who are out on the street now and they're homeless and, and, and they're deep into an addiction of some kind. But then as Rachel pointed out to us, there's a lot of people that are under the radar. They're rubbing shoulders with you right now possibly. And they're struggling with some type of addiction. Um, let's start with a scripture here that's on our PowerPoint today. It's in 1 Corinthians 6.12. Here's what Paul says. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. And then he says it again. Everything is permissible for me. And if you could read that with me and everyone at the Brentwood campus as well. But I will what? Not. Can't hear you. Be. Let's say that one more time. But I will not be mastered by anything. Um, But that's really a great definition of addiction, isn't it? Um, You know, it means to be under the power or control or enslaved by something else. You know, the reality is when someone is addicted or they're mastered or in bondage, I think that there is this deep conflict going in between maybe their head and their will, where in their head they say, I know this isn't good, I know this, I shouldn't be doing this, but because they're under the power of something, then that thing starts to control and dominate them. Uh, Listen to these voices. I'm addicted to porn, I'm consumed by it, but I hate it. After my surgery, I started taking pain medication, now I can't function without it. I started smoking pot and then coke, and now I'm doing meth, and I just need to get through the day. My wife hates that I dip into our savings all the time. I hate to go behind her back, but I just can't quit. For some reason, I just can't stop checking my email and Facebook and Twitter. If I go 30 minutes without checking all those social media, I, I start to break out in a sweat. It started just with a few small bets. Now it's out of control. I'm so upside down now, I don't know what to do. Maybe I can bet my way out of this one. I bet I can do it. You know, I have to work out not one day at a time, but I have to work out two times a day because I'm so fat and I need to look good. Ah, computer games make me feel so alive. I play at least eight hours a day, maybe more. You know, all these examples where people know they have a problem, and intellectually they may say, this is not good, this is bad, I shouldn't do this, but they still do it because they're under the power of something else. And we have to ask ourselves, why are they in that situation where now they're under the power of something else? Now, now if you follow along your outline, I want you to look where the question is, is asked, what has mastered you? I want to challenge you to put something in that blank. Something that is bigger than you, something that you think that you could quit at any time, but you haven't quit yet. Something that has control or dominating influence in your life. You know, when we're talking about the outward visible addiction, whatever it is, that is not necessarily the root problem. It could be just really the symptom. See, the root problem in our lives, I think, with addiction, if we're looking at it in a spiritual framework, is that it's really a form of adultery. We're allowing something besides God to control us. We have, in essence, a false God that we feel like we need to function. Without this, I don't feel alive. Often with addictions, people will say, well, this is, this is better than feeling bad, as though the place where we find peace and satisfaction is with this addictive behavior. So here's a key statement I want you to write down, or actually it's in the outline, you can just circle it, and meditate it and unpack it. Think about how it plays out in your life. And here's, here's, what, here's what is happening in most of our addictions. We are seeking to find what only God can provide in something besides God himself. Now, that's that's a really what we call powerful framing statement as we think about why we get addicted. We're seeking to find what only God can provide in something besides God himself. So, how does this play itself out? Well, you know, maybe you're saying right now, oh, I'm so stressed. It's post Christmas, all the fun times over. We got to get through this awful winter now. And I am so stressed out. The economy, my job, oh my goodness, I need peace. I need to relax. And so, what do you do? You turn to whatever you think helps you relax. You take, you smoke, you drink, you watch, you do whatever you need to relax. And what are you doing? You're saying you want peace, but what did God promise to be? He said, I'm the author of peace who wants to give you a peace that surpasses all understanding and you're seeking to find what God provides in something besides God himself. Let's say you don't feel alive unless you're shopping. Oh, I feel so alive. I I feel like life has meaning when I'm in the mall. So what do you do? You go out and you shop. And again, you're seeking to provide what God wants to provide. See, God, the author of life, wants to make you feel alive. Well, maybe for you it says, well, when someone comments on my blog, I feel like I have meaning. What are you doing? You're trying to get meaning from a comment on a blog when the author of creation is the one who wants to give you meaning and fulfillment in life. You know, we're, we're seeking, again, to find only what God can provide in anything besides God himself. That is a very powerful statement about what lies behind our path on addictions. We are seeking, again, one more time, to find what only God can provide in something else besides God. So let's consider the five steps to take us down the road of addictions. Step number one. The first thing I want to encourage you to do if you want to go down the road of an, of an addiction is, is don't admit you have a problem. What I want you to do is tell yourself that you can quit at any time, even though you never have before, but just make yourself think that you can. And this isn't a big deal. Just say to yourself, I can quit at any time. I am not addicted to this. Then when anybody who loves you or cares for you and starts to tell you you have a problem, just shut them out. Shut them out. Don't ever believe that those who care for you the most can be objective about your life. You know better. So when you have your family, your sisters, your brothers, your father, your mother, your your friends, your co worker saying, do you have a problem? Say, no, I don't. And you don't know what you're talking about. You know, it's interesting that in the Bible, it, it always talks about admitting our guilt, our problems. Jeremiah 3.13 says, you know, God says, only acknowledge your guilt. Don't do that. God says, admit that you rebelled against the Lord your God. Don't do that. And, 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 and committed adultery against him by worshiping idols. Don't own up that you're trying to find what only God can provide in something besides God himself. So that's step number one. Step number one, um, don't admit you have a problem. Step number two, towards addiction. This is so important. Guarantee to gratify your fleshly desires. When your body wants something, give in every time. Galatians 5.16 says, and talks about this conflict that we have. Live by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the sinful, your fleshly nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit was contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. Now, our mind and soul and heart are often in conflict with one another. And, and as Henry Cloud, I was reading one of his books, says, we don't like to admit that there's a deep struggle going inside of us. But, but guess what? And every one of us here and every one of us watching through the videocast, we all have deep struggles going on inside of us. Because there are things we know we want to do, and then there's things we want to do. And there's things we know we should do, and there's things that we still do, you know. And and we're just like this all the time. And often our sinful nature is, is demanding of us to do this because, again, it, 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 we're, the sinful nature says it's better than feeling bad. And we start to listen to that lie. So we just give in to the fallen nature. And if you want to become an addict train yourself to always gratify that sinful, fleshly nature. Just give in. Gratify your urges. Step number three, make sure you rationalize your behavior and make plenty of excuses. Luke 14 shows a great example of this when Jesus told a parable and said, this guy was inviting people to the banquet, but they all, the scripture says, began to make excuses, right? The first says, I just bought a field, I must go see it, please excuse me. Another said, I just bought five yoke of oxen, I'm on my way to them um, to try them out, please excuse me. And another said, I just got married so I can't come, please excuse me. So make excuses about your behavior. Be creative. Whatever rationalization works for you, go with it. Um, If you have to say, look, I'm a victim, if you saw the way I was raised, you would do the same thing. This isn't all that bad. I mean, look, everybody else is doing it. This is just my one little thing, you know. And besides, I deserve it. I mean, this keeps me from doing something worse. And you know what? By the way, I can quit anytime I want. I just want to let you know that. But anyway, it's not that big of a deal. Again, make excuses and rationalize your behavior. Step number four, if you want to go down the path of addiction, um, keep your addiction a secret. This is absolutely critical. Don't let other people know. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen says, He who conceals his sin doesn't prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Sin grows best in the dark, and keep it in the dark. Don't dare let other Christians know about it. Don't dare tell other Christian friends who could pray for you and encourage you in the Lord or lift you up in prayer. I mean, how annoying is that? Don't let people hold you accountable who love you and support you. Keep it a secret at all costs. And finally, if you're going to go down the road of addiction so you can wreck your life, this is, this is the final one. Depend on your own power. You have the ability to manage your problems and nobody else's business. Depend on your own power, never God's. I can't believe this, that uh, here I am, a Christian pastor, telling you, depend on your own power and never depend on God's. I mean, that's just crazy. I mean, 2 Corinthians 10, 3, 5 says this. Paul, Paul writes, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. You know, the Greek word, here for power is dunamis. We get our word dynamite, actually, from this word. I mean, it means they have explosive power, the, the weapons God gives us. And these, these weapons, what, what do they have the power to do? They have the power to demolish, it says, strongholds. Imagine, strongholds. Uh, and, and, and how do we demolish it too? We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So, the question is, that's how we become addicted. That's how we wreck our lives with our addictions. So the question is, how can we find freedom and find hope? Because even here, Paul reminds us that that if we don't have the power of Christ, if we don't have the hope of Christ in our life, if we don't have the presence of God in our life, we are in strongholds. We are under the power of those addictions. So how do we find freedom and hope? Well, I just want to leave you with two, I think, extremely important steps. Step one, depend upon God. Give up the notion that you can save yourself and submit your inability to manage this issue to God. Give up the notion and submit your inability to God. Now, how do we depend on God? Well, let's just look at this passage one more time. I mean, how do we take every thought and make it obedient to Christ so that we can break the strongholds? And how do we use the weapons that God has given us? Because some of you are saying, well, well, what weapons has God given us? Well, well. here are some weapons God's given us. The first one is actually, I guess you could say a defensive weapon in a way. It's, it's the helmet of salvation. Listen, you will not be able to say no to Satan's addictive schemes until you say yes to Christ. Without Christ, we are defenseless. But with the helmet of salvation, our minds are protected by God. Now, all Satan can still do to you is suggest, but he cannot control you. We have the helmet of salvation. It starts there. We are, part, we are part of God's family. We also, another weapon we need to use against Satan's addictive schemes against us is the word of God. Every time we are tempted to go down the road of addiction, we need to use the truth of God. So when, when that voice says, don't admit that you have a problem, instead we turn to the word of God and we, we, we claim this truth. I am weak and I am vulnerable. And when I'm weak, the scripture says, Christ's strength is made perfect in my weakness. We, we grab that lie, you see, that says, don't admit and replace it with the truth of God in his word. You know, when our sinful nature says, gratify me, gratify We say, no, I've crucified the flesh. I'm crucified with Christ. I no longer live. It is Christ who lives in me. And by faith, I put to death all the desires of my earthly nature. And whenever that excuse monster comes up and and wants to say to me, well, that's just the way you are, Dave. You can't ever overcome that. You can never change. I go back to the word of God and it tells me, no, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You see, that if we are going to engage the warfare of Satan's addictive schemes towards us, we need to make, take every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Because I believe that, that at the end of the day, the, the path of addiction starts in our mind. And what we need to do is we need to, hear, as the scriptures say here, we need to um, capture the rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. And if we are going to capture our thoughts in Christ, it means instead of trying to resist those addictive thoughts, we refocus our thoughts. Have you ever tried to resist the thought of saying, I'm not going to eat any more food, I'm not going to eat any more food? What do you want to do? You want to eat more food, right? I'm not going to watch that television program, I'm not going to watch that. You're going to want to watch that television program, right? I'm not going to smoke another cigarette, I'm not going to smoke another cigarette. Oh, I... Am smoking another cigarette. Why? Because, because when we only try to resist those temptations that lead to our addictions, actually what happens is, is that it intensifies our focus on the wrong things and strengthens its allure. So instead, let us refocus on what would Christ want. And and, and as we make our thoughts obedient to Christ, guess what happens? We, we refocus because remember whatever gets your attention gets you now here's the other thing you need to do if we're going to depend on God just depend on God to guard your mind if you're serious about breaking an addiction we must manage our mind and the second step is this we need to confess First John nine says if we confess our sins to him he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness And actually, it also says, confess our sins to one another so we may be healed. Do you really want to be healed of that addiction that keeps you defeated? God's way is plain. This is a critical step if you're going to break free of your addictions. Don't repress it. Confess it. Don't conceal it. Reveal it. In purpose-driven life, as Rick Warren talks about dealing with temptation, he says this, hiding your feelings will never bring healing. Hiding your hurt only intensifies it. Problems grow in the dark, become bigger and bigger, but when exposed to the gospel of Christ's light of truth and grace, they shrink. Rachel, I think, said it, but I'll say it again. You're only as sick as your secrets. So take off your mask with God and with others. Stop pretending and walk into the freedom. Listen, it takes humility encourage but that is the beginning of the journey of recovery from our addictions when we confess our weaknesses to God and to one another because guess what we all 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 have weaknesses let's pray oh God we're all so vulnerable we all have those things that want to master us For some of us, Lord, some of the things that master us, our society despises. But other things, Lord, that master us, our society celebrates. But Lord, whatever is mastering us, we just would ask first of all that you would forgive us in seeking to find in something else what only you can provide. Help us to see how foolish these steps of addiction is really Satan's way of destroying our lives. God, we depend on you, on the good news of the gospel. In Christ, we can have victory. And God, we'll start down this road of recovery with revealing our struggles, confessing it to you and to others and to ourselves, And we'll do all of this in the strong name of Jesus.
0: Amen.